This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. subject matter 
that's being covered. And the person who said that, uh, that person knows who they are. Shout out to that person. They're absolutely right. If we do a post and we, I'm one of those people that has roughly, I think it's 1300 character limit on LinkedIn. I've heard people who say that they have a limit of much more than that. I do not. And then even if I did, I don't want to talk for too long. So, because if you, if you get too long winded in your post, people are going to, they're just going to pass by it. You need to be able to, a lot of times say something in a succinct manner. You need to do it quickly and you need to, to pack off your impact into the brevity of that statement. So that's what I seek to do. I started branding some of them recently and you see my picture on them and that's just for branding purposes. And it's just to give it a little style, put a little personality into it. But we make the statement, we get on it, we get off of it. It is never possible to cover everything about a given subject when we post something. It's impossible. So therefore we do not. We, we put a little bit out there at a time and I look at the posts as building blocks. You put one post out today, you'll put another post out about the same topic after that. And, and it's funny, and it's part of what we're going to talk about today is some of the volatility in some of these interactions. Sometimes people will respond as if I should have been or could have been exhaustive. It is impossible. You simply can't do it. We don't have the space to do it in any way, form, or fashion. So you do have to be succinct, and I'm trying to give a good user experience even in my posts. So I'm to the point, sometimes I'm giving as much information as I can, but again, it's a building block. So one post very well may connect to another. And it takes the audience into mind, which is why a lot of times, uh, when, when people many times don't understand, don't get it, or they they hijack the post, which is something some of you, you know me, if you're connected to me out there, you know that I'm not a fan of hijack posts. And when I say a hijack post, it means that somebody took the subject, that there's a specific subject being covered in every post. Somebody will bring up another thought. And I know that that's going to happen sometime. And I understand that and, and I embrace it and, and I value that. But there are some times where it just, it gets to the point where it happens so much that the the message in the post no longer uh, resonates. It, it is the some of the the responses go so far out of left field or into left field, I should say, that what was originally being discussed is no longer on the mind of the people who are engaging. When that happens, the post has been hijacked; is no longer a relevant point, and now the post means nothing. And if the post means nothing then the effort of uh, putting po uh, posts together like puzzle pieces, which is my strategy, that that's completely lost. Uh, and, and it's usually done by people who are my second or third degree connections. In other words, they're not connected to me. They don't understand what I'm doing. And a lot of people actually interact without any knowledge of who I am, without any knowledge of how I'm talking. And, and they, for some reason, a lot of people have a tendency to assume that a person doesn't have any experience and you can tell in their responses that that's what they're thinking, that the person who made statement doesn't know anything. And because there are so many other people out there that don't know anything that are talking, they make that assumption and it really gets bad after a while. So again, I'm going to, I want to talk about that as we wrap up today. 
because uh, those the second and third degree connections, some of us, we end up connecting. Some people don't connect and we just continue to interact and that's fine too. We don't have to connect. None of those things are mandatory. Um, connecting is a guarantee that you're going to see things, but that's it. So, but it, it, it's really interesting. But the dynamics of social media, they're, they're very challenging because normally we interact with people who have, whether we like to face it or not, have gained some degree of trust where they're inside of one of our circles. It may not be an inner circle, but they, they, they've done something where we place value on that relationship and then we engage with those individuals. In social media, we just connect and then we just barge right on in, so to speak. And so we have to then go through some of the same processes. And yes, they are processes and we all do it where we're engaging with somebody and then we're getting to know them uh, when we're dealing with them face to face. Well, we have to, it's more difficult to do it on social media, but we have to do it. And so we try to understand what a person's value system is. We try to understand what a person is, what their tendencies are. We, we try to learn how people talk, how they express themselves. We try to spend time learning what, what buttons a person has and, and how not to push buttons that shouldn't be pushed and, and, and how to engage with somebody in a fruitful manner. All of these dynamics to try to do these in social media, it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of respect. And, and I, I said this before and I say it again, to be on social media, you have to be social. You have to have some social skills. And then when we do those things, then we all benefit. Now, I, I just wanted to say all those things. I'm not going to get to say it later on. And again, I'm going to wrap up with that on today. But I've got three things that I want to cover in, in this potpourri session on today. The first one uh, is from one of my posts. Uh, all of these, everything I'm going to talk about today was something that I covered on LinkedIn. If you're not connected with me on LinkedIn, by all means, uh, feel free to reach out and connect. Let's engage. Uh, I talk to people all the time and and I love the interactions that we have. We have what we call the, the UX Chit Chat Hour, which by the way is taking place this Thursday. And the invitation is uh, circulating on LinkedIn. There's an event and we get to actually have a talk with anybody that's in UX from all over the world. Come on out. Be a part of those. Uh, you may agree with what we talk about. You may not agree, but it's still okay to talk, whether you realize it. And we don't have to agree to respect one another. And and these are some of the things that people lack in social media spaces. For a lot of people, if you don't agree, then we can't get along and then people get hostile. And that, that just does not work, folks. I have a lot of people that I interact with that we don't agree, even some of the people I have the, the highest levels of respect for, we don't, we're not, we're not in lockstep about everything and we don't have to be. What we do is have to be in lockstep when it comes to the more critical issues, things of greater importance, but we all do things differently. We place more value on certain things and all of that is fine. And it just makes the world go round, so to speak. It allows for more diverse perspectives and, and, I still respect all of these people and, and they respect me. We're, we're fine with that. I, I wish people would be more social, uh, would have stronger interpersonal communication skills, 
would have and demonstrate more emotional intelligence. Uh, but it, it, it's really sad. Some of the things that happen again, you'll, you'll get at why, why I'm, this is so on the forefront of my mind right now. But again, number one, topic number one for tonight, I, I had a post where I said a job posting for a UX position does not mean a company is actually seeking a UX pro. And, and this particular post got a, uh, a regular, a rather uh, nice amount of attention and a lot of people were just liking it. And then some people were engaging. So I'm taking an opportunity today to elaborate a little bit. Um, it's funny how we have been taught since the early days in our employment life that we would go in, we would fill out an application for a position, or we would see job postings for a particular position. And we were taught from the very beginning that this company is looking to hire someone. And we were always of the frame of mind that the people who were hiring someone knew what they were doing when they were hiring someone. Folks, when it comes to user experience, that is not necessarily the case. There are a lot of times where in UX, because of a lack of UX maturity levels, because the wrong people in some cases are in charge of doing the hiring, sometimes the recruiters, God bless them, uh, I feel for recruiters, I know their challenges. There are a lot of times the recruiters don't know anything about UX, and so they are in the middle now between the candidates and the hiring managers. And so you see these postings out there and you think that these people, you, you think that they know what they're doing and that this is truly an opportunity. And folks, it could be a complete paradox. We post for these positions. We apply for these positions. We interview for these positions. And then <laughs> if you get the position, that's when you'll really find out. And it's better to find out ahead of time than to get in there and find out that they really don't know anything about UX or they really don't know what they're doing or you get hired and then they bait and switch you. Yes, folks, that does happen. People do get baited and switched in positions. And so one of the skills, this this leads us into point number two. So there's a little bit of overlap. This is a very little known UX skill that I'm gonna encourage people to work to develop we need to have the ability to understand when we see a job posting, we need to become extremely good at identifying what job opportunities are really exist, whether or not a posting is really legit. We need to be able to go into interviews and ask the tough questions. We need to, to remember that they're interviewing us, but we're also interviewing them and so we need to ask the questions that will bring to light things that will help us to make the decision as to whether or not to accept an offer should it arise. Because just because somebody is hiring doesn't mean that it's really a job opportunity. It doesn't mean that they really want a UX people. A lot of, people, a lot of companies, they will post a, uh, have a job posting for a UX position. They will interview you. They will hire you, 
And then when you get in there, they want you to do everything but UX, even though the job posting led you to believe that that's exactly what you would be doing. So that being the case, it's very, very important for us to be able to see, are these people really looking for a UX professional? Now, here's one quick tip, because so many people see UX as UI, and we're not even talking about the UI slash UX folks. Whether they say UI slash UX or whether they even mention UI at all, and no matter what that job posting says, a lot of companies, all they want you to do is come in and make something look pretty. All they want you to do is come in and make things presentable. They have no idea about everything that it takes to actually execute UX, the the design psychology factors, things associated with cognitive load. Is the interaction design appropriate? Is it intuitive? Does it make sense? See, these things go well beyond standard UI. UI is just make it pretty. UI is just let's get the presentation layer together. It has nothing to do with whether or not the cognitive load is heavy and and whether or not the the task flow is optimized, whether or not the nomenclature and the taxonomies in the navigation is intuitive. That's that kind of stuff. That's not UI, folks. That's UX. And that's just a little bit of it. So companies, when you start talking about things like that, if they don't understand what UX is, they're going to look at you and wonder who in the world you are. Who is this person that we hired? So you have to ask questions that will help to bring those things to light so you don't become a victim. A lot of times when we apply for positions, all we did was qualify to be the next victim. That's all. And that may sound discouraging, but (laughs) it will help you and it will deliver you from a whole ton of headaches when you understand the, the reality of that today. It, it's it, do you think that that's painful? Which is more painful? Me telling you that or you getting into the position and finding out that that's what's going on. Yeah, you're right. The latter is more painful. So, learn how to ask the right questions. Sometimes you're afraid. I remember telling folks once I've told folks this a number of times, one of the toughest questions you can ever ask in an interview is please give me a reason why I would not want to work here. And some pe- someone told me once and they said, you know, I, that's a tough question. You can't ask that if you're a junior. And I said, why can't you? You are trying to find out whether or not this is legit. You're trying to find out if this is where you want to work. And the funny thing is, if you were to ask that question, some people will not give you a, an honest answer. And you need to get good at finding out when employers are lying to you during the interview process. And yes, 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 some employers lie to candidates during the interviewing process. So it's not so much about the answer that you're going to get. And some companies are very transparent and I I, I pat them on the back when they do such. But some companies will hide things from you. They will hide things from me. They hide things from us because they don't want us to see what somebody is really 
getting into. You have to ask about the position. Is this position a being backfilled? Is this, am I filling in for did, did another person leave? What happened with regard to the person who left, the person I'm backfilling for? I'd like to know a little bit about their story. Why are they no longer here? You need to ask questions like that because you could just be next man up or next woman up or just next person up who's going to come into this position. They, they're not going to value you. They're not going to respect you. And those things, you have to find ways for that to surface during the interview process. Now, some companies will just demonstrate it when they're taking you through the interview process, period. They mistreat you. They're very disrespectful. They don't respect your time. They don't respect what you're bringing to the table. They're very amateurish. So if that's happening during the interview process, you know what's going to happen when you actually go in. So keep that in mind and be ready to make a, a good sound decision because getting paid is one thing, but your emotional and mental well-being is even far more important than than that money. So so that but that's all I have to say about those top those overlapping topics today. We're gonna wrap up with the last part. And there was a post uh, I saw on Twitter, and some people might get upset about this, but I, I gotta cover it. Uh, and again, it's really, really, it saddened me to a great extent. One person put a post out on Twitter, and they had said that the level of disrespect that they experience as a new UX professional is astounding. And I totally agree with the person, and I, I, I resonated with what it, or what they said resonated with me. I totally understand it, and I, I didn't worry so much about the rest of it because they just elaborated on that point. Uh, and then someone came behind her and they said that they second all of this. There is zero excuse for this kind of disrespect and gatekeeping. When I heard that, that really grinded my gears. Because the should there be any disrespect? There shouldn't. But the truth of the matter is, as I mentioned, this can be a thankless job working in UX a lot of times. When you, hit, when you work for clients, stakeholders, a boss that's not a UXer, a lot of times is a source of that. Uh, when you have people in leadership that that basically they commoditize UX and they don't really value what the UX people bring to the table, the way we get treated is really, really, it, it, it it's sour. It's a really sour experience. And folks, it's common. And this person who made the original statement this was early. This is early in their UX career. I, I know what you're, I know what the person is getting at, uh, and, and, and I embrace them. I'm like, yeah, I, I hear you, but I've been doing this now for 26 years full time. Been doing it during the day since 2002. I've been doing it full time since 2005, and folks still disrespect it. And and the we've told stories about some of our nightmares. We're actually going to have some people on the show one day and, and just talk about some of the nightmares and the disrespect. The person is being disrespected as a new UXer. And all I said was, it's going to continue. <laughs> it's going to continue now. So the person said, there's no excuse. Yeah, I agree. But there was the second part of the statement that got me. The person referred to it as gatekeeping. Now I've talked about this recently uh, on another episode, and we're going to be spending one or two 
entire episodes just talking about what gatekeeping really is because there's a picture being painted in UX circles today that anytime somebody tries to keep you from getting a job as a new UXer or if people are trying to hold you to certain standards, the way that the discipline is being executed, that they're referring to that as gatekeeping. Folks, number one, nobody's trying to keep juniors from getting positions. It's just like any other job. You have to qualify for it. And if and if anybody, I mean, I couldn't get jobs at a lot of places and I've got all the experience. You know how much experience I've got. I can't get in there. Are they gatekeeping me? No, they're not. There, there's something where they, they don't, they decide that I'm not the right fit. And guess what? That's their prerogative. Is it frustrating? Yes, it is. But you know what? It's also reality. So then I have to endure. You have to endure. But it's not gatekeeping. And when somebody is trying to hold people to a standard of excellence and holding people accountable, that's not gatekeeping, folks. Matter of fact, gatekeeping is not even a bad thing. People are actually trying to paint a picture of gatekeeping as being a bad thing and then associating certain people with gatekeeping. And then they, of course, themselves are not claiming to be the gatekeepers that they're painting the picture of. They're painting themselves a picture of themselves as the good guy when actually those same people attack people like me who are taking a stand for for the, the excellence, uh, 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 standards of excellence in the discipline. Who's really the gatekeeper, quote unquote, as they as they position it? So I said, so somebody hasn't done any research on gatekeeping, and that's where I was making an issue with regard to it. So I was done with it, uh, and so I'm not connected to the person who made the statement on on LinkedIn, and this person shows up and they make comments about what what I said now. Here's the funny thing about it. The person said, I, I said something about crying about gatekeeping. And the person said, well, uh, what did I say that 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 constitutes crying? And I said, absolutely nothing. I wasn't really addressing what you said. I just said that that's going to continue. That was it. Done deal. That's just a fact. Um, and then this person continued, came back. And continue. This is where people lose being social. This is where people do things that make you frustrated. Because I make a lot of sacrifices to help build people up. I do a lot to help people be everything they can be as a UX professional. I talk to people everywhere. I engage with people everywhere. I give them myself. I'm doing it on my own dime, and I'm doing it on my own time. And to have somebody come and become combative. When you said absolutely nothing, combative in nature, you've done nothing derogatory. Uh, I even mentioned that it's interesting that when somebody tattles uh, how people become skewed and get tunnel vision, that they 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 get to the point when somebody somebody says something about you, you got to come check it out. And when somebody says something like that, then then the person just dives in and they loot their critical thinking is gone at that point. And, and the person said, I said that. And the person said, well, who tattled? I'm not connected to you. Somebody saw your name <laughs> and somebody said something and, uh, and along you come. That's blatantly obvious that something like that happened. It, it's, I'm all for engaging with people. No, no question. But when people won't be social, 
when people won't take the time, you have to listen first. And I said this, if you're going to communicate, I always make a little joke about communication that our brain is above our ears and then our brain and our ears are both above our mouth and that there's a message in that and that we need to process things upstairs and we need to listen before we talk. And when we do that, we'll say things that matter. We'll say things that resonate. We'll say things that are fruitful when we engage. And, And somebody may say, well, Darren, now you're getting philosophical. Am I? Or is this part of EQ that helps us to excel as UX professionals? When we, if you can't talk to someone, if if anytime that we allow our emotions to get the best of us and we don't take the time, because yes, this can happen in your UX practice. I've seen it happen. It can happen easily where you can become overtaken from an emotional standpoint and then you stop providing a service. You stop advocating for users you stop understanding the needs of the business and you get caught up because of what somebody said and you stop doing the right thing. That's why I'm such an advocate for, for having a very strong emotional intelligence as a user experience professional. These things are critical. So in my mind, the person was attacking me and I don't think that that's appropriate. And the person said, well, you should have reached out to that person and you should have reached out to me. The person who said the thing about the gatekeeping, you should have reached out to them. And I'm paraphrasing at this point. Well, the same thing is I did reach out to that person when they took some of my words and twisted them. And I reached out to that person several times and the person ghosted me. So that ship sailed. So we're not going to talk because I tried and the person didn't want to hear what I had to say. And the person is out here making statements about gatekeeping and these statements are not true. And I've seen this person on many instances. Think about the the misinformation out here and the ambiguity. When people are out here, people who are claiming to be professionals and claim to be helping people are out here spreading misinformation and trying to sow discord between people for personal gain or for, for psychological gain. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not helping the discipline. And so I encourage everybody as we wrap up today, I encourage folks out there, you're going to have engagements, you're going to have interactions sometime that just, they just don't cut it. It's just going to happen. Do what you can to get the most out of the situation. But please, let, let, let's be respectful of one another. This may be one of the least popular segments I've had, but it needs to be said. It, it, it's really, really sad. We need one another. I'm where I am today because I was able to tap into somebody else. And people who are coming behind us are going to become better and they're going to grow because they're able to tap into people like the, like us. And, and if we don't give the right information and if we create issues, if we sow discord, um, it's not a good thing. It's not good for the discipline. Uh, and, and I'm just calling for us to make sure that we, that we do such things. When somebody has decided that they're going to be combative, the communication ends. <laughs> it ends right there, folks. So, so again, let, let's understand that the statement that I made, I say it again, there will be disrespect in UX. 
people will disrespect us and we have to suck it up and we have to go forward and be our absolute best. It comes with the territory. But we got to be careful about not making sure that we don't disrespect one another because it's going to come from the outside, but it doesn't have to be on the inside. I hope this resonates with folks and I hope people get it today. We're a little longer today than normal. Uh, so I hope, I hope folks got a lot out of this and remember these job postings and develop that skill. I mean, this is something we'll talk about in an upcoming, uh, upcoming series of, of podcasts as well. A series of episodes. We'll be talking about it, about how to get through. We, we've talked about a little bit in the past, where we're going to talk about in a little bit more detail. Cause the last thing I, I, I really hate to see it when people get a job and you think you have a wonderful opportunity. I can't even celebrate when I see people I know who get hired at a company and I know it's going to happen to them because of what I know about that company. I, I can't, I can't celebrate that with the individual cause I know, I know how they're going to be treated. I, I know what's going to happen. Um, so there is an opportunity paradoxes out there and we need to overcome it. And, um, you know, hopefully maybe one day there'll be a, a time where I'll be able to come together with, with the individuals that I mentioned and, and we'll be able to bury hatchets, so to speak. I don't have a hatchet for anyone, but people are coming at me. Uh, I, I would hope that we'll be able to put all this stuff to bed. That would be my desire. That would be my hope. Um, I have no animosity toward anyone. I, I just trying to keep peace for, for myself. So I have to distance myself when people get like that because you just can't maintain peace. And for the life of me, you can't have a conversation, an interaction on, on LinkedIn where you end up looking like children. It makes everybody in the conversation look bad. I would encourage anybody, you, you got to just block somebody when that happens because it's just, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. It doesn't help the discipline and it doesn't help any of the, it doesn't matter who might be right or wrong. It makes everybody look bad. So for that reason, um, you just have to end it. You have to you have to block it because if that's out there, someone's going to end up looking like something that they're not. So you're better off just just cutting off such an interaction. So I hope again, folks, take this to heart today. And some of you, you you're connected to me on LinkedIn. You you got questions? Reach out. You want me to elaborate on a future episode? Reach out. <laughs> totally will do. But that's all the time that we have for today, folks. So. Um, this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.